Hello, devoted listeners. This is Calvin here. I just wanted to stop in to say that I apologize if the quality of this episode is not up to our usual standards. Um, I had some issues with my microphone, and then we had some issues on the Skype call with Eric and Nick uh, later in the episode, but uh, this is not indicative of our normal quality. Uh, Next week, we will be back to normal. I assure you of that. Enjoy the show all about Spider-Man movies. Here we go. Welcome to a podcast about something where each week we dive deep into whatever it is we find interesting. I'm your host, Calvin, and joining me swinging through the skyscrapers of New York City, it's Nick the Spider Richardson. (laughs) The human spider. Nick the human spider Richardson. The human spider. No, that sucks. (laughs) I can tell you, it's a breezy day in New York City. Brooklyn. Uh, he's from Queens. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I fucked that up. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Anyway, we're talking Spider-Man today. We're doing Spider-Man movie superlatives. So the rules, again, is we can only give, uh, if you if this is your first movie superlatives, we've done one every month for the past, like, eight months. So you should really get on the train here. Yeah. Uh, we give one award per movie and one movie per award. No repeats or redoosies. Also, at the end of this episode, the last half hour will be a Far From Home spoiler-filled review. So if you haven't seen Far From Home or Avengers Endgame, cut it off before you hear that part. Uh, Eric comes in and joins us for that, and and we do a little three-way on the Spider-Man Far From Home film. But uh, we will not be giving any awards to Far From Home here, and we will not be discussing Far From Home at all until the last half hour. Exactly. Does that cover everything? That covers everything. Okay, so Spider-Man movies. Has to be a movie. No cartoons, no TV shows, anything like that. Uh, Spider-Man has to be in the movie. That's pretty much it. Yeah, pretty straightforward. I mean, he's had like 12 movies now, so we're good. Maybe a little high on that estimate. but I may be a little high on that estimate. The awards we are giving is, are, the awards are, best costume, best love interest, Best Villain, Best Origin for a Hero or Villain, and Best Peter Parker. Yes, very good choices. Yeah, and we got some Twitter feedback on the Best Peter Parker, so we will get to that when we are there. So that is the uh, the last thing we will be doing. So if you're waiting for your shout-out, you're going to have to wait a little longer. It's Just coming. a little bit longer, poor guys and gals. So, so let's start it off. Best Costume, you go first. All right, dude. Uh Hands down, I've always thought, as soon as I saw it, this is what I thought. The Amazing Spider-Man, the first one, I don't, I don't think it really changed to the second one, is no, absolutely the, really. dude, that is the best Spider-Man costume. It felt so arachnid, it was just that, it, it, you know, it was, was colorful. Really long legs. Yeah, it was, I mean, he's kind of a long, lanky cat, and it was really mm-hmm. colorful, and just the bug eyes, and... You know, the way yeah, the colors really work together. Uh, the sunglasses eyes that yeah. he did. Well, and just... then I liked, he had the sneaker shoes too. Yeah. Which is something like you need if you're running around New York City that much. Oh, fuck yeah, man. Gotta and you're have going off skyscrapers and just doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And it just really reminded me of John Romita, Romata, mm-hmm. Romita, Romita Jr.'s art. Just, I loved every time I saw a cover he's done or, you know, just art he's done. I'm all about it. That's just, 
that's a fantastic interpretation of Spider-Man. And it gets it so right. Really good costume. It was my pick until I went back through about three hours ago. And I'm like, oh, shit. I didn't give Spider-Verse any awards. What? <laughs> yeah. Huge. Uh, I overlooked it hugely. I'm sorry about that into the Spider-Verse because it's a fantastic movie. Uh, so I remedied that. And I go with Spider-Gwen from Into the Spider-Verse. Really? Yes. I really like the white, purple, teal, black combo that she has. Plus, she's got the hoodie and the ballet shoes that really... It it builds her character without having to actually build her character. Just by seeing the costume she wears, you know, like, okay, she has this hood on. She's, like, kind of a, a loner and... Doesn't, doesn't always relate well to people. She's wearing the ballet shoes, so obviously she has some ballet dancing in her background. Um, so by, by including those types of things, you get a sense for who she is without being able to give her, because there's eight different Spider-Men in that movie, you can't give them all enough screen time to, to really you know build their characters. They can do this through her costume especially. Yeah, you make a really good point. Her costume is pretty pretty dope. And so this is Spider-Gwen is one of the only comics slash superhero characters that my four-year-old daughter will indulge in with me. Uh, she loves Spider-Gwen. She'll watch into the Spider-Verse with me just because of Spider-Gwen. And to me, that's why it's important that women and people of color and, and everything else on the spectrum is represented because like if Spider-Gwen didn't exist, my daughter wouldn't care about anything related to any superheroes or anything. Like she just doesn't give a shit. And I, I get that now because yeah. I trust me, I've tried to push everything on her. Nothing, <laughs> nothing catches, but this caught. she likes the costume. She likes how she talks. She likes her hair like it. And it's, it's not for like, just because we raised her this way, like something about that, just, she saw herself in it and it caught her and she loves it. And hey, so man, like, it, it's really important that every type of person is represented because you don't know who's going to cling to that. I totally agree, and comics is a perfect medium for that. Mm -hmm. And this movie was also. I mean, Absolutely. even if you're a pig, you've got a superhero to look up to from Into the Spider-Verse. Fuck yeah. All the insoles out there are going to be like, fuck you, man, I'm not a pig. <laughs> that is not, I meant literal pigs. Yeah, they did too. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so best love interest. I'm going to go back to back here. I picked Gwen Stacy from Amazing Spider-Man 2. So two Gwen picks in a row. Really, man? That's kind of a fascinating pick, actually. Emma Stone's a fantastic Gwen. She is a great Gwen. I just thought, uh, I don't know, Andrew Garfield is just, he wasn't my favorite. Is it? Yeah, but this category isn't about who the, the Peter Parker or the Spider-Man is. It's about the love interest. Well, I, the love I, interest I, coincides with Peter Parker, though. I, it does, but I just liked that after seeing the Raimi films, they they didn't go right back into MJ. They They went with Gwen. And then they, now they've done it with the MCU because they used Gwen for two movies. Now they're switching back to MJ. So, like, it, instead of just, like, hammering home one character, like, we got to see a different character. And that was really cool, especially because Shailene Woodley was set to play MJ. And I hate Shailene Woodley so much. She is <laughs> fucking terrible. So I'm, I'm glad that that never actually occurred. Yeah. Um, well, and I mean, Gwen Stacy is a huge part of Peter Parker, Spider-Man's yes. life. Yes. I mean, the death of Gwen Stacy is incredibly 
touching is a good way to say it, I think. So I've I've talked about this before, but I'm reading through the Amazing Spider-Man comics in chronological order, and I'm finally past the death of Gwen Stacy, but like when I got to it, because I knew what issue it was, I just stopped reading. Like I couldn't do it. I couldn't read that issue. I was like, I I just I don't I don't want to see it happen. I know it's gonna happen. I don't want to see it happen. So like I just stopped reading the Spider-Man comics for a while. I eventually picked back up and got into it, but in these, the Amazing Spider-Man movies, they did a good job of framing them as uh, like closer to rom-coms than straight action movies, yeah, or like superhero movies. Like it was more about the relationship between Peter and Gwen than it was about Spider-Man Spider-Manning sometimes, and it it made her death more impactful that they relied so heavily on building her character up in this in these two movies and building that relationship up because if it was just like I, I think if Mary Jane and the Raimi trilogy would have died in the second movie. Like, I would have just been like, okay, fine. He's going to move on now. But, like, it, it really felt like it had impact in the Amazing Spider-Man movies, and it really felt like it would be hard for this Peter Parker to move on. Well, with this one, it's just... I mean, he does always. He, he moves on to MJ, but I feel like if you're looking at the MJ character instead of Gwen... I don't know. You always have Gwen in the back of your mind. When I was watching that, it's just like, okay, if she dies, then they're going to move on to the Gwen storyline. So I, I don't know. It's just a weird natural progression type thing in my head that bugs me about it. I don't know that the amazing Spider-Man two is not a very good movie. It's, it's a mess. No. I really like both the amazing Spider-Man movies because again, it's Spider-Man content. So I'm there for it. Fuck yeah, um, man. I liked Garfield. I liked Emma Stone. I like Dane DeHaan as uh, Green Goblin. I was really yeah. excited to see Paul Giamatti as Rhino. I didn't yeah. like the Green Goblin. I liked Dane DeHaan as Harry Osborn. Let's say that. The, the yeah. Goblin was really weird. It was, and, man. They, they took it too far. And um, part two got really, really messy, and they tried to shove a lot of stuff in there, and it, it really got too full for itself really quickly. Well, they um, had too much seriousness and too much camp. All crammed. Like, well, Electro they, was so campy. But part two teased the Sinister Six. It teased yeah. Felicia Hardy. It teased Alistair Smythe. Like so many things that were just like kind of there, but not actually there. And it, it, it teased Peter's parents. Um, and what happens after Gwen's death? I was really interested to kind of see where those things went. But at the same time, they made such a mess of it that I can't blame them for just being like, all right, no, we got to scrap this and, and start over. Because they were they were trying to set up some cool things with P Peter's parents and them being spies. Uh, that's something they do in the comics. It's something they do in the old animated show. Um, it it would have been interesting to see how he really responds after Gwen's death. Yeah, they showed that one scene of him face facing Rhino again, but that wasn't really anything. Um, and I would have liked to see the Sinister Six, but at the same time, it was way too much of a mess to continue. Yeah, Sony is bad at making Spider-Man make sense. I just... I, I felt really bad when Gwen died. It, it, as oh, much yeah. of a mess as that movie was, I felt Gwen dying, and like it hurt it to watch. It sucked. It was. Yeah. Just, I mean, when she smacked her head off, it was just like, damn. You know, it's that well, close. Yeah, you, anybody, anybody with any knowledge of the Spider-Man comics knows that that's what happens when she. As soon as she starts falling, you know what's about to happen, and you you know there's going to be that little snap at the end, which like in the in the the comic, the the frame is. You know, Peter catching her and just a little tiny text of snap right underneath her back. And like, you don't know if it's just because he caught her or what. And it's, you know, he, he snaps her neck by catching her because she was moving too fast. 
and like it you you feel that in the movie too as much of a mess as it was and i i that's why i picked amazing spider-man 2 over amazing spider-man 1 because i thought they built the relationship a little bit better and because if, if you introduce gwen she has to die and they did I, like i'll give them credit that they did that it would have been very easy for them to be like no emma stone's a superstar we can't kill her off we're just going to keep going it doesn't matter that she died in the comics but they they took it and they killed her which you have to do if you're going to use her as the main love interest yeah I, I i agree completely but that was the moment and they displayed it so well in that movie where spider-man peter parker realizes that the superhero gig isn't just his life but it's you know mm-hmm. it's a game of inches this is this shit is serious as fuck, and you see, I think you see a different Spider-Man from there on out. And he grows up a lot in that moment. Absolutely, he does, and and that's it's really cool to see that progress. Yeah, they did it so well on the big screen, which was great. I mean, they could have flubbed that so fucking hard, mm-hmm. but they didn't. Good job. Good job. You got, you got something right. Thank God, Sony. Booty, booty ass booty all right so best love interest who you got i, I think it's be short and sweet mary jane from the first spider-man movie um mm. reason being is that was you could feel like that tension in the air between the two and when i go back and rewatch, watch really love interest in the first one though dude he's fucking obsessed with her he wants to buy a car just so he can I, impress her i guess it's a love interest not necessarily a love uh fulfillment yeah, I mean, there's hopes and dreams, and, and then there's reality. <laughs> yeah, but he's living in hopes and dreams world. Um, and I still, th- I just when they talk and stuff like that, I just think it's there's something there, and you can tell. And they they just did such a great job. And I think she was Kirsten Dunst. Is that her fucking name? Yeah, it's been a while since I've thought about yeah, yeah. her. Um, but yeah, I thought she was a great Mary Jane Watson. Um, she did pretty good. She did awesome, man. And I think she just personified the character really well especially from you know the series i grew up reading and watching and stuff like that you know bussy redhead okay there she is boom let's go and then she had some acting chops behind her too kind of like the whole emma stone thing so mm-hmm. i don't know i think we saw her indestructibility in the movie scene but i thought she was a, a great love interest for toby mcguire's peter parker yeah, she was very indestructible in these movies, that's for sure. Which is sad, because I, I think you gain a lot if, you, if you're if you willing to take out those big-time characters. Like, we saw how, you know, it, for instance, Game of Thrones. We saw mm-hmm. how when they stopped killing people, like the main characters who logically yeah, dictated... The, main characters just had so much plot armor that there, was no, there were no stakes for anything. Yeah, it got boring. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, that's my pick. MJ from the first pick. Spider-Man. That's a good pick. Uh, best villain. You go first here. Uh, I'm going to go back to old Raimi trilogy, trilogy and I'm going to say Doc Ock from Spider-Man 2. That's um, a good choice. Dude, love that. He's such a great villain, and, and I don't know that guy's name, but... Uh, Alfred Molina. Yeah, either He's way. Anytime I think of Doc Ock from now on, I think of his face. Yeah, he personified that character so well. At, seeing Doc Ock in other places, and like, like if you read the older comics, he's like so campy, and it's like, well, that's not Alfred Molina, and or like in the cartoons and the old video games, it's like, yeah, it's just like Alfred Molina did such a good job that 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 sums up what Doc Ock will forever be, I think, to 
anyone who grew up during that time. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was brilliant, sinister, and just... I, I love the way they did the arms, I thought, for that time period. It was a great job. And mm-hmm. just... I mean, he was the perfect actor for the role. And he, he got he got the whole um, the villain is the hero of their own story type thing. You know, he's trying to save the world by creating this fusion reactor and kind of goes crazy in trying to do it. And, I mean, you know, drives wife himself dies insane. And yeah. he just has a bad deal. And he redeems himself in the end. But I, so I guess anti-hero is a good sort of anti-hero yeah. in that movie. But I, I just I was really surprised with how well they did i mean doc ock is just a dude but the way he whooped spider-man's ass on that tray and just all the fight scenes they had so well done and i think a brilliant tactician like otto octavius and just a brilliant man would be the one of the biggest threats to peter parker unlike you know unlike some of the well, other peter parker looks up to him Oh yeah, like he absolutely he, loves the guy. He doesn't want to hurt him because he he think he knows he's a brilliant scientist and like if he can, you know, kind of bring him back down to earth instead of letting him die, then that that's what he's going to want to do. So he can't and that's a that's a thing that happens in the comics a lot is you know, that the, these most of Spider-Man's villains are connected to him in some way. Yeah. And so he doesn't want to just like outright beat the shit out of him, send him to jail. Like he he wants to try and rehabilitate them a little bit to get them back to where they are. You look at the lizard or green goblin or, you know, doc, doc, Ock. Um, I'm sure there's some other ones that I can't think of off the top of my head, but like he, he does this to, to try and help them. And he has to pull his punches and, and not always use his full strength against some of these guys because they'd explode. They, yeah. They, they, people around them need them. Yeah. But I mean, I think it, it adds another dynamic that, Peter knows it's Doc Ock, but Doc Ock doesn't know it's Peter. Right. Not to the, to the very end. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is you know another dynamic to look at. Right. And I kind of went down the same path with my pick. I uh, chose Green Goblin from the first Spider-Man. Uh, Willem, Willem Dafoe nailed the kind of manic genius behind Norman Osborn. I almost called him Harry. I think Willem Dafoe would make a good Joker, too. Yes, dude. He, he's I already got a smile. Yeah, and he's got that cackle, and just I mean he's yeah. he's weird. The eyebrow arches and just the face, I, yeah. man. He's got the perfect face for it. He definitely could be a Joker. Uh, the the suit looks really bad in twenty nineteen. Like, oh, the suit's bad. Uh, it was kind of cool in two thousand one, but compared to like the original concept arts, it, it's it loads better than that. Yeah, it looks like a Halloween costume, like yeah. a cheap Halloween costume. Uh, but again, it's a, in this version of the story, Norman Osborn's a weapons manufacturer, so it's made as a suit of, like, an exoskeleton suit of armor for military, so, like, I, I get where he's coming from. It's just a face with no facial fe- facial features looks really weird and, like, kind of over the top, but kind of like I said on, on your point, Spider-Man's best villains have this personal connection to him. Uh, it, it separates him from other characters like Batman or um, Iron Man or any, anything like that because Peter personally knows most of his villains. Yeah, he knows just, what's at stake when he's fighting them. Well, he knows he the know, people. You know, he, he knows he, if he kills Norman Osborn, then his best friend Harry has to grow up without a dad. Yeah. He knows if um, you know he kills Otto Octavius or Doctor Connors, that there's you know these great scientists are just gone from the world. Dr. Connors was his teacher. Like, he doesn't want to lose his teacher. The um, the same with the Jackal in the comics. 
that you know he's creating clones of everybody, but he's his teacher. He don't yeah. want to. He don't want to hurt them. Well, I mean, they're people he cares about, and if he's not Spider-Man, care about him. Yeah, and, is... and this movie and Spider-Man Two got that better than anything. Spider-Man Three really tried to shoehorn in a personal connection, um, but yeah, that made zero the, fucking sense. The first two and Green Goblin always throughout Spider-Man's history has always hit this point better than anything else, and, and this movie got it, and so did Spider-Man Two. Yeah, yeah, but Spider-Man Three tried to shoehorn Two in there. He's just like, good God, yeah. give it up. It three, kind of three because yeah, yeah, New Goblin Two. Yeah, but it did. Plus, this gave birth to the sky surfing new goblin in part three, which the sky surfing is pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was pretty dope. I like the gadgets, samurai yeah. sword. <laughs> yeah, like uh, everything about new goblin was cool, except like new goblin was really stupid. Yeah, no shit. All right, best origin for a hero or villain. I go first on this one. I picked Doc Ock from Spider Man Two, mostly because of the things you've already said here. Um, Good just, pick, dude. He was he was trying to create sustainable energy for the world, and never gave up on that pursuit. Sure, he uh, he let his arms take control of him somehow. He had the, the inhibitor neurological chip. Con- connection. Yeah, yeah. The inhibitor chip failed, and the AI in the arms, you know, took control. Which I mean, this is what everyone warns you about when going too deep with AI, and that's you know we learned it yes. back in two thousand four. Yeah, it was a good cautionary we're still, tale. We're still making Terminator movies somehow. Yeah, I saw that preview. And... Uh, but yeah, Doc Ock, just really great of him coming about, him helping Peter along uh, through a scientific journey. He's you know He calls Peter brilliant but lazy. And he just, he's there for Peter again as this father figure. I keep saying again because of the conversation we already had about Far From Home. That's at the end of this. <laughs> but uh, Doc Ock takes on this kind of father figure science tutor to Peter before turning evil and now he has to face now now Peter has to face this mentor yeah which is a hard thing to do man when you especially a guy that grew up without a dad for the most part it, you know his uncle was killed so it's he naturally goes to someone he looks up to and that's Doc Ock exactly best origin you're a villain who you got uh miles morales from into the spider-verse that's right um, i thought his little origin story was so well played out it didn't feel well since he's a relatively new character i mean i read him in the comic books um when brian michael bendis came out with that ultimate spider-man um and There's that was a lot of people that have no idea who he is though before which is crazy uh, which shout out brian michael bendis the end of the original run of ultimate spider-man was so heartbreaking and he comes out with this new spider-man and it's just like ah, I, I don't know you know you just killed spider-man you killed peter parker and he nails yeah, I remember it a lot absolutely. of people had problems with it when it first happened i just i didn't know how i was gonna feel and he did such a great job and they made they did it even better in into the spider-verse yeah um miles morales is fully developed by the end of that movie or at least you know what you need to know about the character you know they go through all the motions they retell it in a way that feels fresh and fascinating and it really benefits it yeah that was my um second choice of how to fit spider-verse into here i was gonna do basically all of the spider origins from that because of more because of the way they did them the way they presented them was really cool of like okay we all know you know this story but we're going to tell it really quickly in this fun way and i i like that 
Yep. We'll just run it down real quick because people yeah. don't know who those characters are. And so we're going to do it eight gonna, times. Yeah. Yeah. They'll get a name at least, and that's good enough. And with Miles, they did such a good job of framing Miles with his music. And just like that, um, the scene where he's about to go into the, the collider for the last time, like he find, he gets the suit from, uh, you know, the original Spider-Man's shed or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he spray paints it and everything like that. He's sitting on top of the building and he does the dive up because they, the way they framed it, they flipped it upside down. So he's actually rising rather than falling, but he's in real life, he's falling. Uh, the, the way they surround, I think the song's What's Up Danger and the, the way they surround him with music throughout the movie is really great. And then that song is perfect in that moment of like him rising slash falling into becoming spider-man yeah they had a lot of really great shots in that movie and it took me way too long to see it yeah it did i kept asking you for like three months after it originally came out and you didn't see it until it came out on dvd and i was like all right you're you're useless to me you're a bitch is what you were thinking it's <laughs> yeah, okay you i don't think i ever said it though yeah you didn't because you're just such a nice guy but that's me that's I what everyone says about me that's what i say about you calvin that's all that matters bro that's nice no but for real though i took way too long to watch that movie you did shit happens man shit happens still haven't seen captain marvel that's okay that one's not as great it's fine um at least you thought to include it in your awards probably the best spider-man movie you actually remembered to put into your awards i forgot until three hours ago so there's you got that over me it's a very good spider-man movie it's a, it's a very good Spider-Man. I will say, the first time I saw The Amazing Spider-Man, I could not shut up about it for like I really liked three. It. I thought it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen, uh, at least comic book movie-wise. But after seeing it a couple times, it really just didn't. It doesn't hold up great, no. but at, it's still watchable. Like, I still like watching those, both of yeah, those movies. I got it on Blu-ray. If I can I can turn my brain off for the silly stuff in, in number two to just enjoy the good parts of them. Yeah, I mean, they just they did such a good job with his swinging action and his kung fu, his spider fu, I mm-hmm. like to call it. But anyways, that's plus he goes burger. Plus he goes all Teen Wolf in the gym for that one scene. That was fucking hilarious. All right, so final category, best Peter Parker. Let's go to the Twitter first before we give our answers. Got a lot of Twitter feedback on this. We did a poll. Who's the best Peter Parker? Movies only. Apparently, a lot of people can't read because they took that to mean whoever the fuck they want. Uh, Tobey Maguire with 30% of the vote. Andrew Garfield with 5%. Tom Holland with an astounding 60%. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. I honestly couldn't believe that. I thought thought Tobey and Tom would, would be closer. Yeah, me too. And then, man. I, was really uh, I threw in to Jake Johnson gap. from Spider Verse. Uh, he got five percent. He, I can't believe he tied with Andrew Garfield. That's crazy. Yeah, I thought that would. I, I I'm going to chalk it up to a lot of people probably still haven't seen Spider Verse, or maybe didn't know that that was him voicing it. I think people just didn't know that was him voicing yeah. it. Uh, so our True Crime podcast gives a shout out to No Love for Morgan Freeman, which and they uh, linked a YouTube video. The very what? first Spidey adventure from the electric company. I don't think that's a movie. Narrated by Morgan Freeman. There we go. Nope, didn't give him any. Uh, Colby Mack, our friend, at Colby told me. Hey, Col- he says, uh, who's the best Spider-Man? Garfield. And then I corrected him and said, we're looking for the best Peter Parker. And he said, I know, I know. He's still going with, uh, with Andrew Garfield. That's ah. interesting. He's in the minority there. Yeah. But that's okay. 
he's got good taste. So, um, he might be right about the whole best Spider-Man though. It's that's a, that's a tougher question and why I didn't put it in there. Very good call. Good call, sir. Uh, Jessica T at Buffy Watcher 23, who's been great. A lot of uh, interaction from her lately. Thank you, Jessica T. Um, I don't have a good reason. So I don't know who she voted for, but she doesn't have a good reason for it anyways. Fair enough. All right. You got to let us know who you voted for if you're going to be that vague. <laughs> uh, Dem Fancy Dinosaurs at Dem Fancy says, Tommy McGuire was like the only Spider-Man where you've actually seen the struggle he has living in the crappy apartment and always late on the rent because he has to save all the t- save people all the time. Andrew Garfield was some douchey skater boy, and Tom Holland has Daddy Warbucks to pay. And those all make Toby the best Peter, the suffering Peter. I, I don't know, I but I kind of disagree with that. Yeah. Because I, 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 I saw that, and it's just like, you know, when I was living it a couple of years later, it was just like, oh, man, this this is really not fun. So just kind of I get it. That, that I, I get it a little bit, but they also kind of gloss over it. Like they show him struggling, but he doesn't actually struggle. Like they show him struggling, and then he just goes out and kicks a bad guy's ass, and his struggle's over. Well, I mean, I don't really give a shit about his struggling, like in his everyday life, trying to pay and bills honestly, and stuff. I'd rather honestly, see Peter Parker like, being smart. Yeah, by like see. the the second or third run of the comics, like once he's graduated high school. That stuff kind of goes away for a while anyways. He's in college. He's roommates with Harry, who's rich and, like, just doling out money to pay for rent and everything like that. So it's like he that, – that goes away for a long time because, yeah, it's a good human story, but it gets old really fast too. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, we, we get it. He's human. Yeah. The uh, Miscast Entertainment as at Miscast Tweets, he says, Jake not getting enough love. I said, yeah, even Garfield is beating him, which at that time Garfield had 6% and Johnson only had 5 uh, but they evened out eventually. And then he said, I didn't dislike Garfield, but Jake was great. I agree. Jake was Jake pretty jo- good. Jake Johnson was, he was a very good flawed Spider-Man. It took me a minute to get past his voice. Yeah. Just because I kept thinking about all the, you know, let's be cops. Once I got, <laughs> once I got past that, I was not good. a good film. No, it was a shit film. Will the real horror show please stand up at horror show underscore pod says Neil Patrick Harris, which I believe is from one of the early 2000 cartoons. I want to say spectacular Spider-Man cartoon. Not sure I though. Definitely say. not a movie. So uh, your, your vote doesn't count. Disqualified. The testosterone podcast at testosterone zone PC. Ayo. Interesting. Love Toby. Tough vote. But yeah, Holland is killing it. So I'm guessing he voted for Tom Holland there. Could go either way. Let us know testosterone. 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 Zone. You know, fuck me, right? Yeah. I'm sorry. Me, my spouse, and a die, uh, and a die at and a die podcast. Gwyneth will always maintain that Toby Gwyneth must be somebody from that podcast. I thought they were talking about Gwen Stacy and like really giving her the po- proper name there. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Gwyneth will always maintain that Toby is her Spider-Man because A, nostalgia, and B, he embodied that nerdy something quality that just fit the role so well. I, again, corrected Peter Parker, not Spider-Man, and she said, oop, that's our bad. She still maintains the same thing. Fair okay. enough. I, I get it. You know, they, they focused more on, in the Raimi movies, they focused on Peter Parker, like, being bullied and, and not 
how like he, he was just this he was this nerdy guy but they didn't play up his scientific ability at yeah, all his smarts they didn't yeah i mean he was he, he got bullied but they didn't play yeah, Flash up his Thompson genius bullied him, but they yeah they didn't show the other side of that i guess they did a little bit in the conversations he had with octavius and in, in part two but by part three that was all gone yeah i mean that was just a non-existent thing anymore and then Kate at Captain Hangry, or Capt underscore Hangry. I think Chris Pine should get an honorable mention for Spidey Bells. Definitely. Yes. Spidey Bells is a great song. Great fucking song, man. And then Erica Laurent at Bali Hoodoo. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to comment on this because it makes me too sad. It's just okay. a gift of uh, Peter Dusting in Infinity War. I'm uh, happy about that. Uh, still, still makes me cry. Yeah. That was pretty right. sad. So, best Peter Parker, who you got? I, I feel like we're going to have the same answer here. We're going to have the same fucking answer. It's Tom Holland, hands down. Yeah, it is. Yep. It is. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and that's it. He feels like a teenager. Uh, for all the, the nerdy and bullying stuff they put uh, Toby through, he felt like he was a 30-year-old in high school. For <laughs> he looked like he was a fucking 30-year-old in high yeah. school, man. He looked like he uh, it was just it, it was funny. And so they put him at the science high school with Tom Holland. They put him at the science high school. So, like, there aren't everybody's a nerd there. So, it's, you know, you got these varying levels of nerdity there. Um, it does a great job of making him feel in over his head as a high school uh, student, as a teenager, and Spider Man. Being, yeah, being Spider Man and still trying to juggle being a teenager, which is that's the humanizing thing. It's not, oh, he gets bullied. It's, well, shit, I want to have a girlfriend or I want to just go to a dance or I just go, want to go on a school trip, but I can't because I have this responsibility. Some freaking Spider-Man. That Tommy McGuire doesn't ever get that. He gets in one fight at school and then he never goes back to school again. Like the, the movies don't ever show, like I'm sure he goes back to school. The movies don't ever show him in school again until the, uh, in part two where he gives up being Spider-Man and they show him in class answering a question correctly. Like it's, it's not... It's not about that he gets bullied. It's about how he handles what's going on in his real life versus what's going on in the life he wishes was his real life. Yep. So, Tom Holland, you win. Tom Shout Holland. out Tom Holland. Way to go. Yeah, if you're listening, we you're got fucking, you, dude. You're a bro, bro. All right, so we got a few extras before we get into the Far From Home talk with Eric. Uh, any categories that we missed? Um, the one I had was the best Aunt May. Yes. Um, Who'd you pick? I picked Aunt May from Homecoming, dude. Really? Yes. Marissa I really, Tomei. Yeah, I really liked that they went younger and mm-hmm. um, significantly more, more attractive. Um, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, everybody's got a thing for this Aunt May. Tony Stark, Happy Hogan, everyone. She's very flirtatious. Yeah, she is. Marissa Tomei is really good at that, too. Um, yeah. I went with the Raimi trilogy just because like, I'm used to reading the comics and I thought that that captured the spirit of Aunt May best. She's she's really feeble, but she has like great emotional strength and can help Peter get through these things, can kind of fight her own battles. You see it when she's on the when Doc Ock's holding her on the tower and she smacks him with the umbrella. Like Straight up G. Yeah, she's not she's not winning any fist fights, but she knows how to stand up for herself. Yeah, she ain't no punk. So and sorry, Sally Field. I, I liked that they you know, she's really old in the comics. I think that's yeah, that's accurate. But I just I really like the younger Aunt May. Not just because she's attractive, but I think she adds a lot of comedy. She wears weird pants, though, man. 
she's she looks her, like her a wannabe. Are, oh, yeah, it's weird. She looks like she went to Charlotte Rouge and was just like, "Hey, I want to look like a hippie. Hit me yeah. up." And yeah. they dress her up in their interpretation of what a hippie is, and that's what we get on the big screen. But I really like her interactions with Peter and Happy and you know Peter's friends. Yeah. Uh, did you have any categories that we missed? I have a few more, but I wanted to see if you had anything. Nothing specific. I liked your extra <laughs> extra categories. All right. Uh, best web slinging action. Spider Man Two. Oh, really? I want yes. to see you. Uh, and for more on that, see the uh, the Far From Home stuff because it's it's really great. Yeah, it is. It's pretty dope. If I do say it, so myself. It has a lot to do with Tom Holland and how much he's you know dived into this, and he's you know taking acrobatics classes and gymnastics classes. Like he he is a really good athlete, which you I don't think you could say about Tommy McGuire or Andrew Garfield. Like he's put in the work to be athletic enough to do a lot of this stuff. And there have been a lot of advancements in CGI from either of the other two series. Yeah, he does a lot of crazy shit. But for Spider-Man, it was just seeing that really expansive web sling, like him zipping through traffic and, you know, flying through mm-hmm. that, that great t- type deal, you know, in the, on the bridge over the highway or whatever, over the main road. Like, yeah. that is just so cool. And Well, that's always stuff that they could do... Yeah, kind of in comics, but like through the animated shows, they would do that in video games and cutscenes. They would do a lot of that stuff, uh, but you could never do it on the big screen just because it's so hard to make it look realistic. And they, I think they finally got there where they can. Yeah, they did a good job, but now they're really with Tom Holland's Peter, you know, Spider Man. He's he's really getting into the flipping and the flexibility and the you know it looks natural for him instead of stiff like. Right. Toby McGuire. Toby like, McGuire looked like a fucking two by four. Yeah, Toby McGuire and, and Andrew Garfield both, it was they're clearly on wires being twisted around. This is okay, Tom Holland's obviously on wires because he doesn't want to die, but he's doing the actions. He's not being forced in like he's not the wires aren't forcing him where to go. He's doing it and just using the wires as a guide. Yeah, being safe. So we got to right. keep Tom Holland around. He's a national treasure. Keep Tom Holland great again. Fair. Is that not a thing? No. Uh, we will best make it ally. So. Best ally in a Spider-Man movie. Older Spider-Man from Into the Spider-Verse. Or oh, just, that's... you know, Damn, really all good. the Spider-Men. All the Spider-Friends. Yeah. Yes, Spider-Friends is better word. His arachnid family. Um, those were the best allies. They were great. Um, Jake Johnson did such a good job as the older Peter Parker who, you know, kind of let spider-man consume him and mm-hmm. it's it's really cool to see him guide miles morales into not making the same mistakes yeah, yeah. I, I went with uh ned from the mcu you know peter's guy in the chair you gotta have it that's pretty dope yeah that's great uh so this is a new one that i just added this is when i was typing earlier this is what i was typing what things are what one thing are you most disappointed that didn't pay off that was set up. So this is probably either from the Raimi trilogy or the um, amazing Spider-Man movies that was set up that didn't actually get a payoff. It's when I think about it, it's, and I still, I sat there and I thought and I thought and I thought nothing really came to mind, but the only thing that I don't, know if they really had any call outs about it but with the green goblin storyline and the amazing spider-man mm-hmm. um i really really am disappointed that 
Hobgoblin didn't come about and that Rhino wasn't expanded further. Like, it really I really pissed want me to off. see more uh, Paul Giamatti Rhino. Yeah, like it really pissed me off. I love like Paul 30 Giamatti. Seconds. In the giant rhinoceros yeah. suit of armor. I th- a lot of people think that's stupid. I thought it was really cool. Well, I mean, yeah, the, the tattooed up Russian dude yeah. who's... I don't, I don't know how you make it real. Like, you can't make the character Rhino realistic in any way close to his comics form unless you put him in a big mech suit. Like, yeah. he can't just be this... He can't be the rock running around in a gray suit with a horn on it. Shit, that'd be funny. That would be goofy. No, Nobody would like that. No. I liked this interpretation of it. Yeah, it did a good uh, job. I think my biggest thing is that we didn't get the lizard in uh, the Raimi trilogy. Because they kept... Like, Connors was in there for uh, number two and number three, I believe. Yep. And like I, I just I liked that actor. I liked how he did Doc Connors. I wanted to see what Raimi did with the lizard because again, that's a, another one where you could kind of go in the direction of horror and kind of take it this race through the sewers. I liked what they did in Amazing Spider-Man with the lizard. I wanted to. I was really excited to see it pay off in the first set of movies while going through the first set of movies. Yeah, I think he would have been a natural villain to add. I think if they would have kept it simple in three and just had green goblin and lizard that would have been cool yeah they, i mean they were definitely working towards like you don't include doc connors if you're not working towards the lizard so definitely you just never got the chance poor guess and then uh this one's off of movies but it, it's interesting to me what are your best and worst spider-man video games or spider-man movie tie-in games uh ooh, these little spider-man Sorry, video movie, games movie is, tie-in. yeah well that's just what i went with is just spider-man games um best one was ps4 Okay. That was a fantastic Spider-Man game. Loved it. Played the shit out of it. Um, I haven't played it since I beat the game, but it was pretty, I did, pretty I awesome. I recently did one of the um, the DLC missions, the, the Black Cat one. Did you? Yeah, it was okay. I, I, I love the combination of suits and the combat oh, system, yeah. and you know it's just really fun. That the was a really good really interpretation great. of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Uh, worst is the Spider-Man Edge of Time on the Wii. Um, I never played it on Wii. I played it on PS3, I think, and I didn't. I didn't like it. I fucking hated it, mostly because it was on the Wii. I had no idea how to That's play hard. that game. It just did not work right for me. It's so I didn't like because that that was part of a series. It was that in Shared Dimensions, and I think there was one more that all went together. And they took it so the for the collection. Yeah, for the for the Raimi trilogy, they they released um, games with each movie, and in Spider Man Two from the Raimi trilogy, they that's when they got down the swing mechanics that still every Spider Man game uses with the the two triggers, and it was the first to do it, and they did it right, and they've never changed it since, which is great. Uh, the Spider Man Three game had all these quick time events, so it wasn't as good, and then uh, it was the the best thing that the Spider Man Two game did was it brought open world New York City where you can just travel around New York City. And again, that's something that most of them have had since, except the Shattered Dimensions, Edge of Time games. Those put you on a linear path for whatever reason. They had this kind of comic book stylized view, uh, layout, I guess Mm. is what it would be called. and super structured. Like it it just felt like a step backwards from the... The movie tie-in games. Well, what's funny is those movie tie-in games, Spider-Man 2 was like the hallmark superhero video so game. It's still so good. Oh, yeah. Super awesome. Webbing up your hands and whooping dudes' asses. Like, that mm-hmm. shit is so fun. I remember playing that like crazy when I was younger. 
Yeah, and then the so the worst because I went with movie tie-in, so the best my best was Spider-Man Two. The worst movie tie-in game was Amazing Spider-Man Number One. Really, uh, I never actually played it. Oh, they are awful. Both one and two are just awful. Uh, I gave I gave Part Two a little bit of a bump because they introduced Spider Carnage, which has always been one of my favorite things. Um, it it's the mechanics are bad. They they got the swinging mechanics right, but the fighting mechanics are bad. The side missions are bad. The regular missions are bad. It's the voice acting is terrible. The animation's terrible. It's just like it it looked like a PlayStation 2 game and it was a PlayStation 4 game. I'll have to check it out just for Spider Carnage. Cuz I yeah, I, I, I have the I have the pop they came out with for Spider Carnage, but I never knew of him as a character before. Uh, oh, he's they do him in the um in the 90s animated series. They uh the the end of their um, spider they kind of do a spider-verse type storyline and the yeah. end of it comes with spider carnage man i just do not remember that i think it's season five fucking slacking yeah slacking with the seat that you keep picking batman the animated series for best cartoon but that's obviously because you don't remember all the cool stuff from spider-man the animated series I don't. which is way I better don't. i've been hitting the head way too many times <laughs> thank you football the last thing i want to point out on this discussion of spider-man movies is a special shout out for the Spider-Man 2 soundtrack because it is dope as hell. Yeah, they have a ton of people on that contract. It's so contract good. On that. soundtrack. Yeah, soundtrack. It is so good. I was I wore the CD out as much as you could wear a CD out when I was in high school. Like it, I still if any of the songs from that uh, from that soundtrack come on, I still listen to it. They have it playing in the background on the the video game. Like it's it was absolutely amazing and. Good job, whoever put that soundtrack together. Yeah. Walking through the halls, someone's like, hey, Calvin, what you listening to? Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2 soundtrack, soundtrack man. Yeah. So, dude. <laughs> I mean, I would just be like, okay, cool. All right, <laughs> you got anything you. else on Spider-Man movies? I don't have anything else on Spider-Man movies other than I'm so glad they're still doing them. And fuck it, reboot yes. it ten more times. Hit yeah, with as I'm many okay as you with, can. I'm okay with the reboots. Everybody was mad. That they that they ended the Raimi trilogy for a reboot, and I'm like, I'm cool with it. Yeah, I don't care I don't if care. I see Uncle Ben die a hundred times. I'll get a hundred different Spider Mans. I yep. will love it. And I'm really excited to see where Into the Spider Verse goes next. Yeah, we that'll should be get interesting. Uh, we should get 2099 Spider Man in there as it, uh, Miguel O'Hara got teased at the end of that one. So I would love that. that, and I'd love the Clone Saga if they could incorporate that somehow. I really the Clone want Saga is such a mess. I do, but I love Ben. But Scarlet Spider, yeah, Ben is, Riley, yeah, Spar- so good. Scarlet Spider Man is probably my favorite well, Spider Man so version of all time. Why they're doing that? Uh, mine too. That that costume is by far the the best one. Fuck um, yeah. And I think that's kind of why they're doing Spider Verse is they can kind of do clones without doing clones. They can just bring them from a different dimension and say, okay, this is a Spider Man from a different dimension. Yeah. So I'm I'm okay with that rather than trying to get in the muckety muck with clones and the jackal and all that shit. Yeah, I just I want Scarlet Spider Man. Yeah, I'm good with that. Sp- Scarlet Spider Man, we're waiting for you. Uh, stay tuned. In a couple of seconds, uh, we are going to Eric's going to come on. We're going to be doing a full review of Spider Man Far From Home. If you haven't seen it or Endgame, turn it off now. All right, let's talk Spider-Man Far From Home. We've got Eric, we've got Nick, the whole crew is here talking the latest Spider-Man movie. 
There will be spoilers for Far From Home and pretty much all of the MCU from here moving forward. So if you haven't seen either Endgame yeah, or I don't know Far why From you're Home, listening to, you cut us off <laughs> Really bad idea. Let's get it started. Let's do it. Oh, uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. It works better when we're in the same room. We can see oh, who's okay. talking. Uh, all right, Eric, I, what were you going to say? I actually didn't grow up the biggest Spider-Man fan. You know, I know Cal is. Uh, so I've kind of grown to Nick is greater. too, and we now hate you. <laughs> kind of grown to have appreciation for him and all that kind of stuff, especially since Civil War. And, like, I don't know, the Tom Holland one's just my favorite. I think it would just hit me at the right time. You know, so I got probably the most pure version of Peter Parker in high school and all that kind of stuff. So way back to Homecoming and all that kind of stuff. So I was expecting big things, especially after Endgame, but I was looking to see how they transition away from Tony's uh, and his passing. But it was it was it was a very refreshing. Um, I love the fact that Nick Fury was involved. Uh, put a pin in that. Come back to it later. But, was he though? Was he though? That's what I meant by put a pin in that. Come back <laughs> to it later. But you know, it, for the while, it seemed believable. Um, you know, shooting a high school kid with a trank dart definitely ends up Nick Fury. So, uh, you know, I, I thought that maybe, maybe they'd push the Tony Stark dying on this movie, which, you know, in the previews, it kind of seemed like it might be down that direction. And I mentioned in our Endgame podcast that, you know, I really don't want to see that armor be worn by anyone ever again. You know, I really don't want to see throwbacks, uh, throwback scenes or, you know, reimagining. Uh, I just want it to be done. Um, yeah. But, but the nice proper tributes, you know, the nice, the, the artwork, you know, obviously grateful world for saving it, uh, around and stuff that idolized Stark and the Iron Man persona. Uh, but I thought the perfect callback and the perfect kind of laying to bed this Peter Parker relationship with Tony wasn't really the glasses, the Edith system. Even in, even in death, I, what was it? What? Even dead. I, I'm the hero. I even dead, I'm the hero. Even dead, I'm the hero. Yeah, I laugh pretty good at that. Um, but that whole when they're playing, um, going to London with Happy, and Happy just kind of sits back and looks at, looks at Peter, you know, toying around with the with the suit machine, and you know the way the same way Tony would, and, and cool little callback to Iron Man one where he slips his arm inside that virtual gauntlet, you know, mm-hmm. and it's super dope feel for that. And it was just very, very well done. You know, it wasn't over the top. It was just kind of like, well, he's not Tony Stark, but Game of Thieves isn't going to come close. You know? No, and they didn't. They didn't beat you over the head with, "He's yeah. dead now. He's dead now." What What are we going to do? Like they they mentioned it when they needed to mention it. I, yeah. I don't know that I liked Mysterio's whole raison d'être was because Tony spurned him over the barf system. I, right. I liked Mysterio. I did like but, Mysterio. He was he was a great character, but they, I I had beef with the whole I'm pissed. At you. I don't know, I don't know that they need to shoehorn Tony in there too. Well, and then the yeah, big, you know, there's a lot of Iron Man references. Yeah, I thought at I some thought point, if anything, if anything, probably push of the storyline was definitely very believable, and I think that yeah. you know sometimes Marvel takes those chances and be like, right, this is too much, but this is the best way it fits, you know. So so we'll go with this, but we won't overdo it on this end. You know, when it comes to memory of Tony Stark, we won't overdo it with you, making this a whole Tony Stark tribute movie, you know, avenging, you know, old stuff for me and all that kind of stuff. No, I thought it was, you know, if anything, yeah, the 
the Stereo storyline maybe pushed it a little far. I was okay mm. with it because I wasn't getting beat over the head with everything else. You know what I'm saying? And so, it's just, at some point, Spider-Man needs his own villains to be his villains, not, well, this guy was spurned by Tony Stark, so now Spider-Man has to fight. Like, Peter Parker and Spider-Man need, re- need his own internal reasons to fight, not, well, this guy stole something from Tony. So I got to get him. Well, I, I, tell you, yeah. I don't know if they'll get there. Because, you know, they're going to do Sinister Six. And it's, it's very apparent that both of these villains from these Spider-Man standalone films are going to be involved in that. I don't think Mysterio's dead. So I'm just no, saying. No, I doubt it. That you can't kill off Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't care. Um, but my point is, is that, <laughs> you know, it's just you're going to have these movies, but you're always going to have that. Because as long as the universe stays interconnected the way it is, you're always going to have people going back to the Tony Stark area. You're always going to have people with these deep connections because there's still so many storylines that have been touched that haven't been touched yet. And it's just, it makes sense the storylines because you can always call it back from the comics. You can always call it back from subtle. Like they did when, when Obadiah Stane was yelling at the scientists who happening to help Mysterio. You know, they called it all the way back to Iron Man 1. Like nobody thought about that guy after Obadiah Stane yelled at him. Nobody thought about that guy. Now, now here he is, 23, 22 film here, and he's a, he's he's the man responsible for essentially identifying the park. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Like you're let's not forget. Let's not forget. You're talking about how great Jake Gyllenhaal is and how they're not going to let him go. He almost replaced Tobey Maguire in the first Spider-Man series. Yeah, uh, he was going to be Peter Parker in Spider-Man Two, and did replace Vinny Chase in Aquaman Two. You can't ever forget that. That would have been so weird to have Jake Gyllenhaal just pop in for that second movie. Yeah, it, it would have been. That's why Aquaman 2 didn't do that great at the box office. Yeah. I will, I will say one thing. Ari Gold knew what he was talking about. I, I kind of wasn't even focused on the Iron Man stuff, like the callbacks to that mostly. I just I really felt the void of the no Stan Lee cameo. As, a, as the movie progressed, it was like, damn, I really haven't seen Stan Lee and being really a creation of his and Steve Ditko, it's uh it sucks. Or was it Jack Kirby? I think it was Steve Ditko. Yeah, it was uh Ditko. And it it's especially hard with Spider Man because that was always Stanley's favorite character. Fuck yeah man. So to not see him show up it's like, oh well shit. Yeah. That that it's really the end of an era here. I, overall I thought the movie was good. It wasn't great. I liked Homecoming better. I did too. Um, the, the MJ, I almost called her Mary Jane, but that's not her name. She's Michelle MJ. Peter stuff I thought was really good and it really like captured what needed to be captured in, in this kind of love story that they're trying to build. The, the Ned and Betty stuff was funny, but then it wore on really, really quickly. It was like, yeah, yeah, I, well, it's by the end of the movie, I was like, I don't give a shit about that. Anymore. It removed Ned from the story for the most part. Like he's just busy with this yeah. girl and like he's there, but he's not really there. Whereas in Homecoming, I mean, he but was... isn't that how it goes with high school girlfriends? Yeah, sadly, ain't no, that the truth? Exactly, that's exactly right. It's like I found myself in the theater saying, "I break up to this trip." You know that, right? Like it, it was just, oh, kind of, yeah. but it was a plausible way to get Ned out of the main or kind of get out of Peter's way. I mean, we've all been on trips with friends, you know, at school or whether it's mission trip related or something like that, and like you're kind of inseparable if you've got your best bros on that trip. You're kind of inseparable, so it would have been really hard for Ned to, like, not notice Peter sneaking out or not notice, you know, what it is that he's up to, you know, trying to duck and dodge the Spider-Man thing. Right. You know, so I thought it was a good, plausible way to get Ned kind of not up Peter's ass because the whole no, time. 
There's no chair for Ned to be in when they're on a school trip. Right. He can't be the guy in the chair when there's no chair. Uh, for me, for me, the best part was Mysterio. The illusions that he trapped Peter in, the, the one so really big good, one, dude. Uh, where he originally killed Nick Fury, which I, I know he didn't kill him, but like that first one, like I wish we got more of that. That was so intense, and it reminded me of playing the old uh, PlayStation Spider-Man games when he had to go against Mysterio, and like how it felt being trapped in these illusions that you had no idea how to get out of. They were really, really well done, and I liked the... And every time you thought Spider-Man got out of one, he was captured again. I know, and it was the seven layers of hell or whatever the fuck you want to call it. It's just, and I I like the way they use drones, basically. I thought that was really fascinating, and it kind of melded with the scientific aspect they're trying to take with this. Like, they're really harping on that he's super smart, and he deals with super smart Mm -hmm. people and smart villains, etc., and, you know... Quentin, as he's known, is a pretty smart cat, so I think that fits his character really, really well. Well, and that's I kind of wondered how they would work in because Quentin Beck in the comics, his background is in special effects and like being a stuntman. So I kind of thought, how are they going to work that into this bigger thing? Like all of these, this destruction is huge. Like people are going to notice it, and I liked kind of how they changed that part of it. Yeah, well, I mean, it has. This is you know, 2019. People aren't going to believe some shitty effects if you know what i mean like back in the day reading those comics oh, right. they were just really low grade but they still foods i mean it was mostly like poisons i want to say that he spiked spider-man with which got him to hallucinate a little bit further with yeah it was either that or or like mirrored illusions things like yeah, that but you can't drug a high school student on in the movies anymore especially not with disney so <laughs> yeah that's frowned upon yeah you also shouldn't drug high school students in real life no no Yeah, not even in the movies, guys. (laughs) So let's talk about kind of the bigger things that came of this. We get a mid-credits reveal of um, Spider-Man is now basically a mass murderer, and also the world knows his name. The lid off it. Blows the lid off. Yeah, bringing back J.K. Simmons for J. Jordan Jameson is great, too. Great move. Yeah. He's he's fantastic there. I like that they did that. So I have a little bit of a problem with it. I don't know. So I don't know how uh, Spider-Man can be public menace slash actual literal murderer and have his identity known at the same time. Because those two things never go hand in hand, like in the comics or in cartoons, anything like that in the past. Because if his identity's known, Peter Parker's a really easy person to catch. He has a routine. He goes to school. He has an aunt. If, if you're the police, he's very easy to catch. Spider-Man is not, and he always gets away from the police, but, like, if Peter Parker's just sitting in class, the police can just come in and take him and, and arrest him because he's an actual terrorist if, you know, everyone believes what Mysterio says. So I just, I, it'll be interesting how they kind of play that off. They've done well so far playing those twists off. Right, yeah. I know, I know. I'm pretty sure, you know, the actual Nick Fury will get and figure things out for him if not happy you know so i don't think him and may are in any real trouble i know that probably his friends are going to be pretty heavily interrogated you know i guess i had to think in this in this particular storyline in this world i mean but i don't that peter is in i think you're you know gtfo'd on everybody in that including Jay after that moment and just 
made himself very scarce when he got May and got the got the heck out of town. Yeah, I mean that that's really your only option. You go find Happy Hand, find Nick Fury, whoever you can to protect you until it boils over. What about uh, J. Jonah Jameson with the Infowars style uh, video blog? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people that. That was awesome. Alex Jones. The only, the only thing better is, I think, uh, in the Spider-Man PS4 game, J. Jonah Jameson has a podcast that like plays in the background as you're swinging around town. I think that's better, but I like this, too. This works. This works with his character yeah. really well. And it's modern. You know, you're not trying to yeah, you're yeah. trying to get a new crowd to relate with newspapers, you know, selling news. Newspapers or even just he's like a, a TV like, personality or something. Like, he's got to be that over-the-top guy, the Alex Jones style. Exactly. Like, otherwise, it's just like... Nobody would watch it if he's just like, oh, and I don't like Spider-Man. Yeah. Now the traffic. <laughs> and Spider-Man sucks. But yeah, I mean. Spider-Man blocking traffic again. Everyone knows. I think everyone knows who Alex Jones is for the most. Or at least if maybe not by name, but they know that character caric- caricature of him. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that is so easy to just display that he's kind of full of shit. And he's just, I don't know, a big pompous dick. <laughs> It was funny to see that. Just yelling all the time about things he thinks he knows. But people get their way a lot doing that, man. I mean, you've oh, heard no, you've heard of the Karens. He's made millions of dollars yelling for at mostly nothing. So, yeah. That's what most of the news is nowadays, guys. I mean, maybe we should do that more. Maybe we should just yell about things, and then we'll get more listeners that way. <laughs> we should test this theory. Just coming soon, special episode, Patreon exclusive. Yelled the whole time. That. He should have done that on the airing of the Grievances podcast. Oh, that, that would have worked. Super yeah. loud about whatever it is you were pissed about. <laughs> that would have worked. That's a good idea. Uh, airing of the Grievances part two. That's what we'll do. Belligerent. <laughs> I can't believe I'm not sitting in another meeting with these fucking people. <laughs> Dude, okay. So my mom listened to that Grievances podcast, and she was fucking dying she was talking about the shit she's like i know what you mean about the meetings and i mean she's all she's very prim and proper she's like i could just hear it in calvin's voice like he sounded like he was ready to explode just and it's okay <laughs> he did he said, shout out next mom yep. shout out mom <laughs> hi <laughs> that's great well it was funny one of our friends on face on twitter not on facebook uh Facebook is the devil. On Twitter, uh, one of our friends pointed out that they were in a meeting that ran like two two hours over the uh, scheduled time, and then they had to reconvene three days later. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah I, I recognize Deja that. fucking boo. So uh, back to actual Spider-Man things. <laughs> we ha- we had a second end credit scene which I did not see because I didn't think there would be two. I had to pee. I'm, I'll just tell yeah, the truth I, right there. I had to go. I read about it. I know what happens. I get it. What what are our thoughts there? I actually so did actually not even read them. What happened? What'd you say, Eric? I'm surprised you actually haven't even YouTube. I think it's I think it was out there, but um. Okay, I haven't tried no, because like, I I looked up what it was as soon as I left the theater, and I haven't tried since because I I get it. I don't know what that was about. I didn't think it was necessary, but I mean, incredible. Yeah, it's it's yeah. setting something up for later. I, I've been pretty clear about this. I don't want to see more scrolls. I don't want to see Secret Invasion. I it's very convoluted, and it's very. I think it'll be very hard to explain to casual moviegoers 
why the hell everything that's happened hasn't actually happened because they're replaced by these aliens that can steal your personification. And then, like, and for people who are comics fans, I don't think they'll be able to do, because it's so convoluted, they'll not, they won't be able to do the comics storyline justice because they'll kind of have to dumb it down. So I, I don't know how they find that middle ground. I mean, the MCU's done a really good job of finding middle ground between this stuff in the past. I'm sure they'll have a way to figure it out, but I I just don't know that I care about Skrulls and Secret Invasion right Hear now. Hear me out. Twelve movies. Boom. That'd tell the whole story. It, it was just... Uh, well, yeah. It's such a hard... I mean, so you have to see all of them. Well, we've seen all 22 Marvel out. movies. I mean, it's not inconceivable. Yeah, we uh, have, but... but Thanos. I don't know if everybody wants these freaking shape-shifting roles and everybody getting tricked into thinking who is who for 12 straight movies. It's kind of exhausting. <laughs> it would be for exactly. me. Exactly. I don't. I don't want. Is that person real? Are they not real? What's What's gonna be? The... I don't know. I, don't trust I think anything. I would enjoy it. We're in movie six. I don't trust anything I've seen for five movies because I know in movie eight is gonna be a scroll and I don't fucking know anything. Yeah, and, <laughs> and how do we know the previous? How do we know the previous twenty-two movies haven't been infested with scrolls now? We don't. Yeah, we Maybe the whole Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they're all scrolls. That's what made obviously. Secret Invasion so much fun. It was just like, holy shit, okay. And, I mean, we could go into it knowing there's going to be scrolls, and it's not like it wouldn't still be fun. Like, you know Disney and Marvel would come up with a good way to do it to where you'd still have a good time. It'd still be a fun little mystery to go on. I, the MCU hasn't let me down. I doubt they will. I just, I'm not excited for it. Maybe once it gets going, I will be, but at this point, I'm not. They gotta, I'm going to punch him in the face if I find out Tony Stark is a scroll and therefore Morgan is a scroll. If I find out in about five years that Tony Stark was a scroll. Well, then they can bring him back. No, I'm going to punch him in the freaking forehead. Tony Stark didn't die. The <laughs> scroll that was pretending to be Tony Stark died. He's he's off on the fucking moon somewhere. He'll be back. Don't worry. He's so, now we owe, so now we owe the W to a scroll. I don't like that's exactly. a good scroll, then. That's I mean, a good that's scroll. It's not a yeah. character, moment, character moment for my guy. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is the problem with bringing scrolls in so deep. Like, having them in Captain Marvel and having them kind of close that loop in Captain Marvel, that's fine. But when he, now when you start peppering him everywhere else, you're going to run into these kind of problems. People are going to get... Yeah. Potentially. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, they, there's so many good storylines, but they'll be extremely hard to adapt. So I don't really know where you go from here exactly. Right. But yeah, I don't it's at, that. that's the end of Phase 3, so we're going to see... I don't even know what comes next. I would love to see a House of M situation with the X-Men, and I don't know if they could incorporate that, but that would be super cool. Yeah, talk about convoluted. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're all convoluted. They're all, there's 58 crossovers to three different titles, and in the end, you got 400 comic books telling one singular story. That shit is always convoluted. Wow. I guess the next thing that we'll see are the Disney Plus shows? Oh, yeah, man. I totally forgot. Is that true? I think so. Or do we have a movie slated before November of 2019? I don't think so, man. No, I don't, I don't think, think so either. So, either. so, all right. We'll have to see what happens in those, which will... Probably be all the alternate realities, anyways, because most of those characters don't exist. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Final thoughts. Nick, you go first. Uh, I enjoyed it. They they had a lot of little things that were really really neat. 
like I liked Happy and Aunt May's relationship. I thought that was funny. <laughs> um, I got a lot more like genuine good laughs from this movie, from you know little quips and character interactions than I did from Homecoming. Like Homecoming was more like oh like kind of heartwarming. If you, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I mean, this had its moments, and like you said, the relationship between MJ and Peter was great. I thought the web slinging and like the fighting style Peter displayed was way better than in Homecoming. It was really fun to see him, you know, really start bouncing around like the acrobat. Yeah. You know, this little. Well, it helped that his enemy was like all these drones that he had to kind of dodge and move and uses Peter Tingle to to get around. The Peter Tingle, yeah. So I mean, that was that was hilarious and. So I don't know. I'm really conflicted. Like I think overall I like Homecoming better, but I liked aspects of Far From Home way better than Homecoming. I thought yeah. Mysterio was great. Um, it's just there were some points when it kind of dragged, where I just I wasn't super interested. Uh, well, so during Mysterio's villain mustache twirling speech, where he's in the bar after he just got Edith. I like he started talking about how he created Barf and, and Tony Stark hung him out to dry. I left, went to the bathroom, came back, and he was still doing his speech. Like I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, I probably missed that, you know, most of that speech. And I came back and like he's still going. So and that's kind of what you're talking about. That they had these moments like, all right, this should have ended two minutes ago, and it's still going for no reason. Like it's not necessary. It's it felt a little longer than it should have been, but I enjoyed the movie overall. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much right with you. I liked Homecoming better, but there was better pieces of this. The MJ Peter stuff was better. Mysterio was better than Vulture. Uh, but uh, other than that, I, Ooh, I don't know. I, like, I, it, like you said, it was a little draggy. I think I disagree. I think Michael Keaton was an amazing villain. That car thing. I, I didn't say he's not amazing. Well, what do you mean by Things better? can both be amazing. Well, what do you mean by better? Okay. Is he just Michael Keaton as Vulture is an 8, and Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio is a 9. Like, Fair enough. Nah. There's, there's still levels to better. Nah. Eric, what do you got? Final thoughts. Okay. Um. Well, first of all, I, I'll never complain about a movie going a little bit too long, because I'm not ever going to bitch about getting Marvel, you know, some Marvel content. But um, it did go in a few spots where it felt a little too too clunky, a little too teeny-ish. You know, so I thought, you know, some parts were a little unnecessary, but I, uh, be full disclosure, I'm not really a big Jake Gyllenhaal fan. But what? He, he, whoa, 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 whoa. I ran he, up on you now. He earned, he earned my, he earned every bit of the respect he deserves for this, because he was a fantastic villain. And it, he was I mean, he's a Jake Gyllenhaal fan. Yeah, big He was time. a fantastic uh, ally at first, you know, like it felt like he's really here to save the fuck. But... Like, you know, and, and he's totally capable of pulling off, you know, pulling off roots, you know, as, a, as an actor. And it's like there was no challenge for him in playing this role the right way, the way it should have been played. I think uh, Marvel and both, you know, they deserve a lot of credit for the way that character turned. Um, That's a really good point. I, yeah, he did, so he, I, I think he, really he well. does. He transitions so well, you know, and it's and he does everything. He the old top dramatic where he's where he's going out his whole plan in front of his in front of his people at the bar after Peter leaves after he gets the glasses he's like over the top eccentric but he can be like that strapping Captain America type looking the young in the eye and being the leader that he needs you know and then he can just sit there and be just devilish as a villain and I thought that was fantastic. well that's something that's something he does really well in this 
is he senses that Peter Parker is vulnerable in a way that only teenagers can be vulnerable in. He needs someone to look up to. He knows he has no parents. He knows yeah. it's, it's only his aunt looking after him. And Tony was that father figure, and he knows that that's what Peter's looking for now. Yeah. And he swoops in and takes advantage of that to gain Edith and continue on his all, mustache all twirling know, plan. All I know is that I'm not going to be so abject to a Gyllenhaal film from here on out. You guys have my word. Dude, have you seen Nightcrawler? You should, you should go back and watch some other Gyllenhaal yeah. films because they're all Johnny fantastic. Darker. Well, maybe not all. Nightcrawler. Jarhead was terrible. I hated that movie. Jarhead wasn't very good. No, anyway. Uh, end, of, um, end of Watch, really good. I Enemy, love that. End of Watch is so good. And I think we've talked about I think we've all talked about, you know, the, when we knew Gyllenhaal was coming up when we talked the end game, well, I think we kind of went around. Prince of Persia? I've never seen it. Don't do no? that. No. <laughs> don't <see laughs> It's not that. Yeah, don't see it. No, no, I can fully admit in public that you saw that movie nowadays. Um, <laughs> but uh, as far as the whole movie is concerned, I mean, I didn't have a whole lot of beat. This, the mid credit scene threw me uh, I wasn't surprised to see the end Big credit scene really threw me for a loop. That was really well done with all considered actually him swinging. For the first time, you see Tom Holland swinging from building to building through Manhattan, just like the old other two Spidey would Well, do. that was CGI. He wasn't really swinging you know, uh, on no, the webs. Calvin, okay, right now. Okay? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Holland was not actually swinging above the city. <laughs> he might have been. I don't know. Don't, That's true. Drax, don't Drax me here in sarcasm here. Um, Nothing goes but, over my head. But, but uh, I will catch up. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was just for that whole mid credit scene where he's swinging through the amazing CGI and artwork. Um, really cool exchange between him and MJ. And also, you know, just J. Jonah Jameson showing up and then the, the whole monkey wrench at the end with his identity getting blown off. Like, it was the perfect way to tie a bow on it. I'm really pumped to see this character again. I'm really pumped to see what happens again in the future. And that was a perfect, perfect little change of palette. You know, the heaviness that was endgame to close out these three was something that's, you know, enjoyable and entertaining and fun. You know, so it's, yeah, so I yeah. thought it was, I thought it was great. I think it had like eight and a half, in my opinion, on a scale of one to ten. I think I gave it like a seven and a half. Yeah, so didn't Colby... Uh, shout out Colby. Colby gave it a five out of yeah, ten. Yeah, I saw yeah. that, man. I was really nervous going in once I saw it. I was like, damn, Colby. Well, I had seen it before he saw it, luckily. Um, he he had some of the same problems we did. Um, I listened to the podcast he did on it. He had most of the same problems we did. He's a little harsher on things than we are because he's, quote, unquote, a film critic. So, but, yeah, it I, it it's hard at this point to do something truly innovative in the MCU and with Mysterio, they did, I think they could have done more. I think if they would have made it this kind of almost paranormal thriller where the whole movie, Peter doesn't know what's real and what's fake. And Mysterio is just kind of stalking him with this technology that, that, that could have been a cool movie, but I also liked everything in this movie. Well, I mean, if he haunted him with like visions of uncle Ben, or some shit like that. Like that'd be a super cool way to at least get a taste of Uncle Ben and like what right. helped shape Spider Man. That would have been dope. Just with that, or like have you know have a, have these things of of MJ you know 
getting injured in his arms or dying in his arms, things like that, that he, he thinks is happening, but it's really not. And like, if you could have turned the whole movie into a psychological thriller that way, I think you would have had a better movie. But at the same time, this was a good movie. I'll watch it again. Oh, uh, like, I'm, I'm always there for Spider-Man content. So yeah, I'm oh, there's, the, I mean, there's a thousand ways you could have gone with this film as far as, you know, what done with mysterious characters. You could have made this a horror show. And it would have been mm-hmm. freaking cool as hell. But the bottom line is you got to put butts in seats and you got to put kids and their parents butts in seats. At least some, you know, I think the most risque joke is Peter Tink. And I was just, yeah. I, I was just like, they say it one time, I'll lose my shit because it's just so gross. Yeah. <laughs> they, gross well, they, they overdid that one a little too much, too. Yeah. <laughs> for a teenager to be like, you know, oh, hey, it's your Peter Tink. Don't say that to me. Uh, <laughs> don't say that to me. <laughs> So anyway, uh, other than that, like I, I can't, I can't have any many complaints about the movie, if any, and if and if I do, there doesn't really matter in the scheme of things. I enjoyed the hell out of this film. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check out uh, myself and Nick on Twitter. That's at APA something at alone underscore podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, check out our website at podcastaboutsomething.com. We also have a Facebook fan page. Um, Don't expect much there. Not a lot's going to happen. I pretty much just set it up so we can run Facebook ads. Um, But you can find it by searching a podcast about something on Facebook if you want to follow us there. If we get some good feedback on it, then maybe I'll do more on it. Uh, But that's pretty much it for today. Thank you, as always, to those cats for providing all the music for a podcast about something. Stay positive.